Well, I don't know. Um, you know, the book of Jude starts off real funny. Uh, the book of Jude is the last book before Revelation. It, it starts off real funny. He says, Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, but it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. So what he was saying was, I was going to write to you about something else, but the Lord decided I should write you about the contending for the faith. So I was going to teach on something else tonight. I was going to be done with this, but the Lord seemed to not let me go here. So we're going to, uh, we're going to finish up tonight, hopefully. I ran, you, I ran all four sheets. We know when we finished the kingdom of darkness, I ran you the entire study. And so this is on the kingdom of heaven, and this is the entire study on that as well, just in case you didn't keep the other ten I gave you. Um, you got this one. And, and what we talked about last week is what we're going to continue to talk about this week, and that is we have the kingdom of heaven. Um, I tell you what, let's, let's begin with a word of prayer to get the Lord to help me organize my thoughts here. Heavenly Father, pray tonight, Lord God, that you would lead us and guide us, Father, that you would... Guard my mouth, O God, and guard my mind, Father. Help me to speak your words, Lord God, to edify this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what we talked about is as a member of the kingdom of heaven, you have these benefits. Uh, the benefits of uh, having the earnest of the Spirit, to experience baptism in the Holy Spirit, to pray with authority, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, to work in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, to win every battle against darkness, power and authority, fights using spiritual weapons, works in faith. You have these abilities. But in order to have these abilities, you have to be alive. You have to be alive, just like you have to be alive in the kingdom of darkness. Now, that's pretty easy because if you're breathing and you're not saved, you're alive, right? In the kingdom of darkness, you don't, you don't have to do anything. You, you, you do it by default because you're here. But then whenever you're reborn and you become a child of God, things change because now you're reborn. So you have to mature just like you do here. I mean, if I, if I looked out here, um, you know, you're, you're mature people. You, you're not there's certain things. None of you has the pacifier. Visible anyway. There's certain things that a child has that you don't have because you're mature. And when you get saved, when you get saved, then you have to begin that maturing process again, only this time in the kingdom of heaven and not as a person in the kingdom of darkness. So last week, we, our, our, our touch, touch scripture, our key, key scripture here is found in James, which James was written to the church um, and he is probably, it was probably the first book that was written around 45 A.D. James is a half-brother of Jesus, uh, different daddies. And um, James wrote for the, in, in chapter 2, verse 26, and we talked about this verse many times last week. For as the body is dead without, for the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And what we spent a lot of time talking about last week is that to move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you have to have a new spirit. You can't just say a prayer and think that's going to work. You have to have a change of spirits. You have to, the old man has to die and the new man has to come alive. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about that that new man, that new man has to, he has to regenerate. He has to justify. He has to 
You have to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. You can't, you can't just add Jesus to what you're doing. I, I love the story in, in the, uh, I think it's in John, where um, Philip and Andrew come to Jesus and say, the Greeks want to see you. And all the Greeks wanted to do was, you know, the Greeks were always afraid they were missing a God, so they wanted to meet Jesus to see if they could add him, add him to their, their mythology. And so Jesus said, unless a corn of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it, if it dies, it produces much fruit. And what he was talking about is if I just become another God in Greek mythology, then I'm just something else that's over there. And Jesus is not just a part of something else. He stands alone. <laughs> Glory to God. He stands alone. Praise God. He is alone. He is the only begotten Son of God. When the rich man came to Jesus and wanted to know what I need to do to inherit eternal life, and he said, he, he told him, keep the commandments. He said, I've done that. And he looked at him and loved him. He says, give what you have to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. And the Bible says the rich man went away sad because he, he wanted to just add Jesus to what he was doing. And that's not the way it works. When you become part of the kingdom of heaven, old things pass away. They have to. If they don't, then you didn't get saved. It's that simple. It's just that simple. Because old things are going to pass away and all things are going to become new. And you're going to have a new spirit within you. Uh, in, on, the, on the live but dead portion, that's on page three. Um. On the live but dead portion, Isaiah 11.2 talks about the seven spirits of God. And the first one is called the Spirit of the Lord. And, I, and I, we talked about this a little bit last week, and I don't want to spend a lot of time re recapping. But it says, the Spirit of the Lord that comes within us, this is the urging, the knower that knows, the inner sense that God is speaking, that the Holy Spirit is working, that something is going on in the spirit world. That is the sealing of the Holy Spirit. That's the sealing. When you're saved, the blood of Jesus Christ washes away your sins, and you're a brand new creature in Christ Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit seals that with a knower that guides you into all truth. He convinces you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That, uh, Jesus tells us that in John 16, and the Holy Spirit is the knower. Now when you say something you shouldn't say, the knower says, oh, you're not supposed to say that. When you watch something you're not supposed to watch, then the, the knower says, "You no, no, we're not part of that world anymore. Whenever you're, whenever you're walking somewhere in the, and you understand a scripture you didn't understand before, that's that knower. That's that knower that lives within us that helps us to know what's right, what's wrong. You know, when you've been doing something all your life and you didn't think there was anything wrong with it and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, no, we're not doing that anymore, then that's the knower. That's that spirit of God that comes alive and lives within us so that's what we talked about last week. We ended up talking a little bit about the second half of this verse in James where it says, so faith without works is dead also. And we talked about, um, we, in order to skip all of this, we're just going to turn with me, if you would, to just Acts 1.8. Let's just turn to Acts 1.8. Because that scripture tells us faith without works is dead. So when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you had all the faith that you needed to heal any sickness, to be a part of, of the salvation of other people. Everything that God has available to you, you received at salvation because you received Jesus. 
And when you receive Jesus, you received all there is. There's no more to get. If you receive, my God, <laughs> woo! <clears throat> if you receive Jesus, you got all. You got it all. Now the question's not, do you have it? The question is, do you know how to use it? That's the question. So Jesus told the disciples a very specific thing. He said, tarry in Jerusalem. Let's, let's just read it instead of me trying to quote it. Acts 1.8. He says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the uttermost parts of the world were the, were the apostles, were they, were they the, matter of fact, the 120, were they saved at this point? Had they received Jesus as their Savior? Yes, they're all saved. So he's not talking about the Holy Spirit that comes in and seals the salvation. That's already there. So that's not the power. Does that make sense? Because they're already saved. They're already cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that Holy Spirit's already sealed them. So that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, tear ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And in Acts chapter 2, we see what Jesus was talking about. Because in Acts chapter 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the power that God is talking, that Jesus is talking about in Acts 1.8, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is the thing that causes your faith to become works. You know, if you give me an extra day to do a Bible study, I'm going to think of ten more things to put in it. So, turn to page four at the top, and here's the thing I added. It says, the Spirit of God in man can be willing to do the work, but find that his flesh is weak. Now, many years ago, during the course of a sermon, and I don't remember exactly how it came about, and I don't remember exactly how it did it, but, but the, I asked the question, if someone was to come in that back door and say, everyone that's a Christian is going to die, and if you don't want to die for the cause of Christ, and then leave now, how many of you would leave? And of course, I think only one or two people said they would leave. Everybody, all, everybody else said, oh, I'd stay, I'd stay. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of difference between sitting here when nobody's at the door and saying, I'm going to stay, than there is when somebody comes in here and starts shooting the place up. There's a lot of difference. I know your spirit is willing. I know my spirit's willing. I'd like to say, bless God, I'll stand there and look him in the eyeball. But you may find out that flesh ain't so willing. <laughs> that, that, that's, that spirit's willing, but that flesh is, it ain't, it's not so anxious to die. <laughs> so let's, let's, look, let's look at a couple of scriptures here. The power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is needed to overcome the weakness of the flesh to do the works of God. Now, I've told you this story before, but maybe you won't remember it. A long time ago, I was working for the power company, so it's a long time ago, I took a flight to Atlanta to go to a meeting. 
and I was flying on Delta Airlines, and we, we flew from Houston to Atlanta, and I sat next to a lady, and uh, she asked me a lot, of, a lot of things about the Bible, and, and we got into a discussion, and it was just, it was just, I, I just, I, I was, I was, I, man, I was so impressed with, with uh, how the discussion went, and, and it just went so good, and we prayed together, and, and uh, I mean, she wasn't saved, she was just asking questions, and we, it, it just was beautiful, everything was just, it couldn't have been better. And I got into the airport there in Atlanta, and I went over to the rental car place. I'm by myself, went over to the rental car place. I'm standing in line at the rental car place, and I turn around, and there's a guy behind me that's in a wheelchair. He was going to an athletic event. They were having some Special Olympic things, and he was in a wheelchair. He had, you know, his gloves on and everything. And, and I turned around, looked at him. He smiled. He said, how are you doing? I said, great. How are you doing? I turned around, and the Holy Spirit said, turn around, lay your hands on him, and I'll lift him up out of that chair. <coughs> Who? <laughs> I mean, I, I got. I, I, uh, I, I would love to tell you that I turned around and laid my hands on him, telling him, in the name of Jesus, get out of that chair. But I turned around, looked at him, and he smiled, just kind of nodded his head, and I turned back around. I wouldn't even look at him no more. My spirit was willing, but my flesh was afraid it wouldn't work. You can look at me pious if you want to and say, well, I would have I raised him up, and maybe you would have. But I didn't. I found out that I wasn't as tough as I thought I was. You know? Let's, let's look. Let, and and that's, that's, that's what we're talking about tonight. You can be saved. You can have the Spirit of the Lord in you. You can lift your hands. You can shout. You can feel everything that's going on with the power of God. But I'm telling you, God gave you the infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you could turn that faith that God can heal into works that says, in the name of Jesus, get up. There's a, there's a big gap right there. Okay, let's, I'm, I'm talking too much. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. Here's one of those stories that you wonder why it's in the Bible. Or I did, maybe you don't, I did. So 2 Samuel 18 is about the death of Absalom. So if you remember about Absalom, that's one of David's sons. He rebelled against David. He had uh, a lot of hair. He cut his hair once a year and it weighed almost eight pounds. Had a lot of hair. Well, he was rebelling against David and he was, he was commanding his armies and he was riding his horse and he, got, he rode underneath some trees and that hair was flinging and it got caught up in the trees and the donkey went away and Absalom hung there by his hair in the trees. That's what the story's about. Um, Joab comes upon him and he stabs him in the heart with three darts and then some other guys stab him. And so that ends the war. That ends the rebellion. And so we're going to go now to uh, 18 verse 19. So then said Ahimaaz, Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, let me run and bear the king tidings how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. And the Lord said unto him, and Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but you shall bear tidings another day. But this day you shall bear no tidings. Why? Because the king's son is dead. So let me ask you a question. It's not a trick question. Does Ahimaaz know that Absalom is dead? Does he know? Is the answer yes in your mind? Didn't he just tell him the king's son is dead? Are, are y'all listening? Okay, you scared to answer something? I told you it wasn't trick. 
All you got to say is, yeah, I got that, yeah. So Ahimenaz knows that the king's son is dead. Am I right? Hallelujah. So he knows it. So, uh, but howsoever he said, let me run. So Ahimenaz runs. And he gets over there. And let's bounce over to verse 28 now. So he runs all the way to King David. He runs back to where King David is. And Ahimaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said to the young man, And king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me, thy servant, I saw a tumult, but I knew not what it was. So what happened between the time that Joab told him to run and the time that king asked him a question? He lost his nerve. He knew the answer, but he didn't want to be the one to tell David. Because I'm telling you, you never knew what David was going to do sometimes. He may have said, I told you not to do it, and whack. And so Ahimenez suddenly says, oh, I don't know, but there's a guy running behind me named Cushy. We'll see what he says. <laughs> and Cushy says, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> but Ahimenez couldn't do it. Why? Oh, his spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. He couldn't deliver the message. Let's go to another place. Let's go to Matthew 26. Here's a story you all know. Matthew 26. You all know this story. I'm not fixing to tell you something you don't know. Matthew 26, 33 through 35. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is Jesus, and, and he's talking to his disciples, and he's right here at the end. He's at, he's at the Passover, and Matthew 22, 26, 33 says, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I tell you this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter says, Though I die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all of the disciples. Verse 41, we find out that Jesus takes them to the garden. He takes Peter, James, and John into a little bit different place and asks them to to pray with them. Then he comes back and they're asleep. And in verse 41, Jesus says, Watch and pray that you never that you enter not into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, you thought I made that up, and I did not. 2656. Then Judas comes. Peter tries to cut off a guy's head. He misses, hits his ear. Jesus says, don't do this. And so 56, it says, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. We like to think if we were a disciple, we would have stayed. But I can tell you, you probably would not have. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Faith without works is dead. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you're not willing to put it into practice, then it's dead. And how do you get it to put it into practice? By bringing your spirit to life. Let's look at Luke 12, 11 and 12. Luke 12, 11 and 12. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit is the first step. When I say filled, I mean baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, we will know it because you will speak in tongues. It always happens that way. Acts 2, it happened that way. Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 19. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spake in tongues. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you allow the Spirit of the Lord to fill you. And when He fills you, you yield to Him and you speak in, a, in an unknown tongue. I'm not trying to get you to speak in tongues. I'm trying to get you to be filled. Because <clears throat> if you get filled, you'll speak in tongues. Okay? There's, oh, anyway, never mind. I'm about to chase the rabbit there. I'm glad you stopped me. Luke 12, 11 and 12 says this. And when they bring you into synagogues and unto magistrates and powers, take no thought how or what thing you will answer them or what you should say, for the Holy Ghost will teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. So the Holy Spirit is that strengthening agent that comes in and gives us power to be able to do the works of God. The Spirit lives in you. The Spirit that's in you is willing, but there's a lot of difference between being willing to do it and doing it. And the difference is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit strengthens the spirit man. He crucifies the flesh so that you can do what you would. But without, without the work being done, you know, you, you can, I used to, when I was taught high school, Sunday school class, I'd tell my teenagers, I'd say, look, I can, talk, I can teach you what this Bible says. But if we don't have the power to do it, then it's just a good book. Right? When we, when we pray for the sick, we should expect them to be healed. We should expect them to be covered, recover. Why? Because of the power that lives within us. Paul said, should I come to you in 2 Corinthians? He said, should I come to you in word, in deed, or in power? You know? I, I, I didn't come with clever words of men, but I came in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. The, the power of the Holy Spirit the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders and miracles is not for, for the spectacular effect. You know what I mean by that? I used to think, man, God, if you just raise somebody up from a wheelchair, man, that'd be great. It would be great. But, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of signs and wonders and miracles has one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is to confirm the preaching of the Word. Right? We're trying to draw people to Jesus. Not put on a show, a circus. Healing is in the covenant. Deliverance is in the covenant. All those things are in the covenant, but they're not for show. They're for the preaching of God's word. They're to confirm that preaching. So, um, you, can, you, can, you can be willing, but in order to accomplish the work that faith has birthed in your heart, you should be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues for that power. And I told you last week that all of the things, most of the things that the disciples did is recorded in a book called The Acts of the Apostles. I think the these not there, but it's called Acts of the Apostles. And it's, it's acts. It's things they did. And they did it after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John on the way. Raise a man that had been sick. Then they preached to a crowd. 5,000 saved. You know, people are raised from the dead in that book. 
You see, you see miracle after miracle after miracle. Everywhere Peter goes and Paul goes and preaches, it's followed by signs and wonders and miracles. But it's the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that's working within them that, that's that energizing power that keeps you moving forward into what God's given you to do. So let's, let's look at Revelation chapter 4. Anybody have any questions or comments or is this, does this make sense to you? Got one. Okay. I'm going to preach over here. <laughs> this, yeah? Wonder why that is. I because <laughs> we're favorites. <laughs> he does not. Right. Yeah, because all this, all this of the kingdom of heaven kicks in. It all kicks in. And it's easier, I think, so, uh, this is my opinion, and you can call me wrong if you want to. Don't do it right now because i got camera on me. But I think it's harder sometimes for a man to be filled than it is for a woman because in order to be filled, you have to yield. you gotta lay, you got you to yield to it. God doesn't take you and throw you on the ground, put you in a trance, and make you say it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta yield. You gotta, you gotta just say, "Okay, God, here we go." You know, you, you have to yield, and that yielding sometimes, sometimes for some for some men is more difficult than it is for some women. They have they have a better ability, I guess, to to be able to yield to that than most men. Well, everybody's got questions. Yes, ma'am. Right. Right. I, I think you're right. Yeah. And that's right. I mean, y'all can laugh, but that's exactly right. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the Jews, oh, y'all got me chasing the rabbit now. The, the Jews, <laughs> I'm reaping what I sowed because when I was in high school, I used to try to get science teachers to chase rabbits. So we. So we can get out of class. Anyway, <laughs> I'm reaping what I sow. Um, when, when, if you, the Jews say that man was created with, with an intensity, with a passion, with a, with a pride, if you will. Not a bad, it wasn't bad, but it's just a pride that, you know, to, be, to, to do what a man does, you know. And the Bible says that, that Adam, Eve was created to be a help meet. Not a help mate, but a help meet. And the Jew says that if a man is following God, then the woman will be an asset to him. But if a man's not following God, then God created the woman to stand in the way of the man. Because uncontrolled manhood turns into tyranny, destruction, all those things. So if you, if you believe what the, the Jewish commentators say about that particular verse, then yes, a woman was made to be submissive, but she's also made to be strong. Um, but it, it does, I think that that's the reason why men sometimes have a harder time um, yielding 
to that spirit. It's just sometimes it's more difficult. So Revelation 4, verse 5 says this, and we read this last week. It says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunder. This, this is in heaven, by the way. We're in heaven. We're seeing things that are actually in heaven on chapter 4. And it says in verse 5, And out of the throne, the throne of God, proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven of lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we talked last week that there's not seven Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit. And I've got a, a writer here that gave a really good explanation. Um, he says seven is the number of perfection. The lamps of fire symbolize the Holy Spirit in his sevenfold fullness. They can be described as seven small pilots that work together to describe the workings of the burning, driving portions of the Holy Spirit, the flame of God to work the works of God and to drive us closer to be like our elder brother, Jesus Christ. So part of the, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be like a fire shut up in my bones and to drive me, to push me, to give me confidence, to give me a passion that, that burns within my soul to do the works of God. That, that's part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit, not only to crucify the flesh, but to keep that fire burning in my soul. You know, Paul was locked up in prison for five years, three years in Jerusalem, two years in Rome. And in that five years, he didn't go to church. He didn't preach to anybody. He only had a guard once in a while that was in there. He had visitors, but he didn't go to church. He didn't he didn't, he didn't do the things that you would normally do, but for five years he was locked up. But yet when I read his writings, I find that his passion was not, not demented at all. He was just as passionate at the end of that five years that he was going to go to Rome, I mean to, to Spain, and he was going to pass by, the, pass by uh, uh, was, I think it was Rome on the way, and he was, he was going to do those things, he, and he did. He came out of prison after five years. He went and preached in Spain, came back and ended up in Greece over there at Nicopolis. And uh, Nero came and got him there, took him back to Rome, and he was executed. But he, his, his passion wasn't demented. And I find the reason for that probably is because 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all. It's not just, it's not just something that's, that, that you get and you walk away from. It's, it's something you can, you, you can uh, uh, speak to God in daily you, you, you speak to him in prayer. You can speak to him driving down, <laughs> driving down the road. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> I would encourage you to fall in love with the Holy Spirit. Man alive. He, he's like a fire shut up in your bones. You know, when the, if the Holy Spirit came upon them, he comes upon them as a fire. And that's what he is. He's a fire to burn out the things that need to be burnt out. And he's a fire to, to passion the things that need to be impassioned. And so um, this, this, is, this is what the Holy Spirit does. And it's the, part of the Holy, it's the part of the spirit world that drives me from just being faith to actually turning that faith into works. He gives me the courage to take the step I need to take. You know, some things don't come natural to some people. And, and, and Misty is one of our ministers and I will tell you that Misty probably never thought she would stand behind the pulpit and preach. For one thing, years ago, now I'm not talking about the Misty we have today, and this is her words, not mine. 
But Misty said that years ago, she really didn't like people that much anyway. <laughs> and my, I didn't make that up, huh? No, she didn't. <laughs> and so to think that she would minister to them and try to help people was just foreign. But then she got saved, and then she got filled with the Holy Spirit, and she continued to grow in the Lord. And one day the Lord called her to preach, and she went and started taking the classes, and she got the classes taken, and she took the test, and she, and she got certified, and now she's a minister of the gospel. And how many have heard her preach? What do you think about Misty preaching? Yeah. Where does that knowledge and passion come from, this little lady? Where does it come from? It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit burning like a fire shut up in her bones. And it may demonstrate itself different. She doesn't holler and scream like somebody I know. She's a little quieter. But her words are just as powerful because they come from the same Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the Spirit that ministers, not the volume. God moves in whatever person you are. If you're a quiet person, He'll move in you. If you're a loud person, He moves in you. If you're knowledgeable, He'll move in that. If you're not knowledgeable, maybe you have a hard time reading or something. God takes care of all that. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that shut up in your bones, that burns like a fire, that makes you go and do things that you wouldn't normally do because the, the passion's not there. But once the passion is there, then that faith becomes a work. And once the work starts being done, then the spirit man is alive. He's alive in the spirit. He's also now alive in works. And all of the, uh, it unlocks all the little dots beside the kingdom of heaven so that all of these works become part of you. Somebody asked me one time, they said, do you think anybody has all nine gifts of the spirit? And I said, I, you don't have them. You don't have them. The gifts of the Spirit's not something you possess. It's something God uses you in when you need it. If I need knowledge, He's there. If I need wisdom, He's there. If I need to discern what spirit you're of, He's there. If I need to speak in tongues, He's there. If I need to interpret, He's there. If I need to prophesy, which means to preach, to foretell, not to, not to rub a crystal ball and tell you what the future is. That's not prophecy in the New Testament. Prophecy is to speak what God would speak if He's standing here. If I need to do that, then he's there. If I need to work a miracle, he's there. If I need to uh, perform a healing, a healing needs to be done, he's there. If I need the faith to see it all done, then he's there. It's, it's, it's not something I get and possess. It's something that God delivers to every man severally that's filled with the Holy Spirit. That's filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you open up a whole new world. Because with a lot of us, the Spirit is really willing. Let's, let's look. I don't even know what this scripture in Exodus is. I don't remember what it is. Let's look at it, see what it is. I may skip it if I don't like it. 25. Oh, okay. We're going to skip it. It's the symbol of the seven fires. Um, that's what it is. We'll, I'll read it anyway. I wrote it on here. And that shall make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work. Shall the candlestick be made, his shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops, and the flowers shall be the same. Six branches shall come out of the side of it, three branches on the one side, three branches on the other side. This is what they call a menorah. Three bowls like into almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch, three bowls like an almond. Verse 34, the candlestick shall be four bowls made into like almonds. Verse 35, there should be a knop 
<laughs> Let's get down to 37. And they shall make seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, and they shall give light over and against. So this is, a, this is just a symbolic something you can see of these seven spirits. But let's go to Isaiah 11.2. That's really where I wanted to go. Isaiah 11.2. Isaiah 11. There's Isaiah. Major prophet. <coughs> Isaiah and Micah prophesied at the same time in Judea. And Isaiah gives us the description of these seven lamps. The first one is the Spirit of God. That's the lamp that you get whenever you get saved. When that spirit changes, then that sealing is the first one of these seven spirits. And that, that's the first one. It's called the Spirit of God. But if we go on here, 11.2, it says, um, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. But then when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then you begin to receive the, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So, let's see how this kind of works. So, um, you have the spirit of the Lord living within you. Then wisdom comes in. To, wisdom is wisdom that carries a plan to a successful completion. We need wisdom to know God's timing, wisdom in finances, wisdom in direction, wisdom in the proper use of the gifts of the spirit. And then once that wisdom is working within you, you add to that wisdom understanding. Understanding is the, the ability to distinguish right from wrong, truth from lies. And then it will guide you into good counsel. And counsel is the ability to make right decisions and solve problems. So when you have wisdom, working with understanding, developing counsel, then once those things are done, then you have to have might to complete the work. Might is the power to carry out a decision and complete the work. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit provides you that might. Once you know what the wisdom of God is, you understand it, it gives you counsel to know the right direction, you've got to have might in order to make the decision come to pass. God can tell you all day long not to buy something that you really want. My, uh, my dad one time, we had a... We had a Grand Prix, 1969 Grand Prix model SJ. It's a sports model. It came from the factory with a chrome valve covers and a chrome breather. It was the first car I ever saw, and I, wasn't, I was still a young man, 69. It was the first car I ever seen had power locks and power windows. And I used to sit in the back seat just rolling windows up and down. I couldn't believe we had power stuff. I felt like we was big time. So it had power locks, power windows. They paid a whole $3,900 for that thing back in 1969. They walked out at 4000 so the guy lowered it to 3900 and they bought it. <laughs> I believe that's how the story goes. So anyway, they bought this car, had this car, and uh, long story here, but in, in the midst of the story, uh, Dad wanted this truck. He wanted a new truck too, so he, they could do it, had enough money to do it. So he went to the dealership and he said, uh, I want this truck, and and, and uh, the guy said, that's good. So they went in there and they ran his credit and he got denied. And dad couldn't believe he got denied. He'd never been denied for anything. The, the money was there. The, everything was right. It didn't, no reason to deny him. And, and he, I don't remember the whole story, but I think he had him run it again. And he got denied again. 
And Dad, he t I, I know this part because he told me. He said he went out there and he laid hands on that truck. And he said, Lord, you said I could have the desires of my heart. And I want this truck. And I'm, I'm claiming this truck. And in Jesus' name, I, I, I want to get this truck. Well, he had him run his stuff again. And this time he got it. Got it this time. So now he's got this fine Grand Prix model SJ 454. 454 engine. My goodness. I mean, that, that thing just, when you, had, when you were sitting at a red light, it just was going boop, boop, boop. Man, I I tell you, it was cool. And then they got, and then we got that brand new truck. And man, alive! I, I'm telling you, I, I I thought, man, alive! We are we have we have come into some money here. <laughs> As a 12 year old boy, I thought, man, this is cool. Well, mom ended up uh, the Lord. Uh, some things happened, and the Lord had her quit her job. And when she quit her job, don't get ahead of me here. I'm telling the story. <laughs> and when she, when she quit her job, suddenly that truck, they couldn't afford the truck anymore. So he had to get it out, had to get, get, that, get out from underneath that thing and sell it. And it just so happens that the car sold first. And so now we ended up with a used truck, a yellow one, if I'm not mistaken, a used truck. And we had an old Chevrolet, no, yeah, an old Chevrolet that every now and then it just would start missing, just boom, 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 boom. And uh, we went from high cotton <laughs> to, to, to laying in the back seat whenever you pulled into places because you didn't want people to see you getting out of it. <laughs> and the reason we got there was because we didn't listen to the counsel of the Lord. We didn't have the might to say, okay, God, if that's your will, then your will be done. But instead we said, no, 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 I'm going to have what you said I could have. And the Lord said, fine. Let me know how that works out for you. It didn't work out too good. So there's sometimes just as much power needed to listen to what the Lord says and to turn something down as there is to listen to the word, what the Lord says and to move forward. And that comes from counsel. And counsel comes from understanding. And understanding comes from wisdom. And wisdom comes from the Spirit of the Lord. So in order to accomplish and do what God has told you to do, which the Spirit without the body is, the body without the Spirit is dead, and faith without works to dead, in order to become a complete person, then you not only have to need to be saved, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that whenever the Lord reveals to you what His plan is, you've got to might to accomplish it. Hallelujah. So, I want to end by saying this. The Holy Spirit is not optional equipment. It's not, Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It's not optional equipment. But it is something that we need in order to be able to do the works that God has given us to do. Sometimes you don't see works in other, in non-Pentecostal faiths, sometimes, because the Holy Spirit's not there to be able to complete what God's laid in their heart. It's not that they don't have the, the, the faith and the Spirit to want to do it. It's whether or not the power's there to accomplish it.
to get you to do what God has given you to do. And so that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to have conversations with through the Holy Spirit. I, I was listening to a preacher this week, and he said something I thought was kind of funny. And that is, he said, whenever the Holy Spirit begins to speak through us and we begin to pray, because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that when we speak in the Holy Spirit, when we speak in the Spirit, we speak directly to God. How be it to, to the people listening to us, it's a mystery. And he said, the coolest thing about this is whenever I'm praying to God in the Spirit, the devil's outside the conversation. He's out there holding his hand wondering what's going on. And I think that's pretty funny. I think that's pretty cool. I don't have to speak in code so he can't figure out what's going on. This isn't, this isn't Secret Service stuff. Uh, no offense there, Jim. I'm sitting U.S. Marshal stuff. This is, this is just me talking to God. Outside of, the, of what the devil can understand. And I think it's pretty cool. Just to think that I can communicate directly to the Father through the Holy Spirit. So, tonight I want to encourage you. If you haven't been filled with the Spirit. If you've never been filled. And, and you've never been overflowed to where you begin to speak in tongues. Then I would encourage you in 2024, make it the year that you get that done. It's important. Because I'm telling you, it's, the times are going to get harder and harder the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. And if, you, and if you don't have the strength to stand, you're going to have a hard time standing. Because I know your spirit's willing. I know you won't. I, th I know you think you will. I know you say, bless God, I'm a strong man. I'm tough. I've, I've, I've stood up to worse than this before. But this isn't, you're, not, you're not fighting this one with fists and muscles. You're fighting this in the spirit. And the spirit's got to be strong or that flesh is weak. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. I want to encourage you, if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to 2024 to make it a daily part of your life. To make it a, so much a part of you that when you go into your prayer time, that you stay until you touch heaven. And when you touch heaven and the Holy Spirit begins to fill you, then you'll begin to pray in the Spirit. You'll begin to, to speak in that Spirit. And you'll begin to, it's, it's, not, it's not just a prayer language. It's not something that you go in and have memorized a bunch of words and you just, but it's not that at all. Not to say when you walk in the whole, not to say when you walk in your prayer room, you may, you may go right into the Spirit, but that's because the Spirit's alive in you. But, but it's, not, it's not simply a language that you use in prayer. Is that making any sense? I, I, I know that's kind of confusing what I just said. Did I confuse anybody on that? Okay. It, it's, it's more than just the words. It's the spirit that lives inside of you that produces those words. That's what's awesome. And I would encourage you that if this, if this is not a, a part of your, of your prayer time, I would encourage you to stay in the presence of God until he refills you. I mean, I told you the disciples were filled in Acts 2. They were refilled in Acts 4. They were refilled in Acts 5. Cornelius was filled in Acts 10. Paul, Paul asked the people at Ephesus, he said, under what baptism were you baptized? And they said, John. And he said, John baptized for repentance, but have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we don't know if there is any Holy Spirit. And Paul laid his hands on them, and the Bible says they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. And so I want to encourage you to make the Holy Spirit a part of your 2024 to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be anointed of the Holy Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, 
to, to, to continually live in the presence of the Holy Spirit because that's the power that you need to do the works that you want to do. Yes, ma'am. Okay. No, no, no. Uh huh. Uh huh. I think there's. I think there's. I don't. I don't really know the answer to that. But let me see if I can make something up. No. And, and you should. I know. I, I, and I've had the same thing. And, and here's the thing. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes when somebody gives a message in tongues, they'll go a long time. And then the, the interpretation's short. Or sometimes they won't go long in tongues and the interpretation's long. And you'll say, wow, that... I thought that was an interpretation. Well, if you read 1 Corinthians 14, and maybe we should study that, tongues are for a sign to the unbeliever. So when you begin to speak in tongues in a public place, it's, it's not something that a language that's being, I'm not interpreting it like I would Spanish. It's not word-for-word translation. It's for a sign to unbelievers. So it's to let them know that God's in the house. And the Bible says that as you speak in tongues, you will convict the unbeliever. That they'll know God's in the house. Because why else would somebody do that? Right? Why else would somebody do that? And so then the interpretation is for the church to edify, to exhort, to comfort, and to be done decently and in order. That's 1 Corinthians 14. So the speaking in tongues is for the, to build me up, and it's to, to uh, convict the unbelievers. The prophecy is for the church it's not an interpretation of what's been said. Does that make sense? You good with that? So, if you go in your prayer time and you begin to pray in the Spirit and you're using familiar things, but you have that, that Spirit, you know that it's the Spirit of God that's speaking through you, then everybody's going to be different there. I mean, I, I would think that I wouldn't, I know the devil can make mess with your mind, but if he's messing with your mind, whoever, anybody, then I would say that you're good. Because if you were just jabbering, he'd say jabber on. But if you're speaking in, uh, in, the, in this language and you're speaking directly to the Lord, and, 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 and I, I, I bet it's not as consistent as you think. I, I think, I think, I bet, I bet sometimes, um, I bet sometimes it's a little different. A little. You know, and, and, but I, once again, I, I think we need to be careful because, like I said, tongues, I know it says in the Bible that every man heard him speak in his own language I, and the glorifying the wonderful works of God. I know it says that, but you've got to keep in mind that was the first time. That's not every time. We don't always speak in a language that somebody understands. 
That's, you know. But the important thing is, is to exercise, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you, to allow the Holy Spirit, because what He's doing, no matter what the words sound like, what He's doing is He's building you up on your most holy faith, the book of Jude. How do we get there? Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, and allowing that Spirit to speak through you, yielding yourself to Him. That's the important part of what we're doing here is yielding ourselves to God and speaking unto God in a language that we don't understand most of the time. There have been times when I spoke in tongues in my prayer time that I knew what I was praying about. I knew I was interceding for somebody or I knew that something was going on. But most of the time, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, not so much for me, but to build, to build myself up, not for a prayer for me, but to build myself up, to strengthen my spirit and to decrease my flesh. And I'll just use an example here. Uh, Kathy and I started going to the gym in November. I know, I'm, I know I look a lot fitter. Thank you very much. I hadn't lost no weight, though, but I'm about to. I have faith, <laughs> and I'm putting work to it. So anyway, we started going to the gym. Um, I do the same circuit every time. So, you know, we have like six weight machines I'm going through. I walk, and then I do some weight machines, and I do the same six or seven every time. So I'm not changing anything there. I, I go to the first one, I go to the second one, I go to the third one, I go to the fourth one, I go to the fifth one. So not changing anything. I'm doing the same thing every time. Are y'all with me? Did I say that enough times? Okay, three times. Praise God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So um, I've been doing that for a month. Well, I noticed last night when I got in there and started doing my little sitting bench press, I noticed that I figured finished my three sets of 12 and I, I finished it. I said, hey, baby, look at here. <laughs> yeah. And I went to the next little weight machine, which is the little row machine, and I did my three sets of 12 there, and I said, whoa. And I went to the little lap pool, and I did the same exercise I've been doing, but guess what? I finished every one of them. Well, I didn't finish the curls. I got, I got hung up on the third set of the curls. I couldn't finish that. But the, I did the rest of them. The other five, I finished, and I walked out of there and told Kathy, I said, I'm going to have to increase my weight next time. I get, I'll be doing something more than just the bar. <laughs> I'm going to put five pounds on it now, baby. <laughs> yeah. So am I helping myself out? Am I getting better? Am I doing the same thing? Yes. Am I getting stronger? Yes. So just because you're using the same thing, saying the same words, as long as you feel that spirit stirring in your innermost being, then yeah, you're getting stronger. And, and a year from now, when I'm at the bar plus 10 pounds, I'll know it's because I've been doing this, I'll be doing the same thing because this is what I've decided to do. I've decided not to try to use all 37 machines. I'm just going to go with these five or six. So, you know, the devil will try to tempt you and make you think that what you're doing is not effective, not important, that, that the, the, the witnessing that you're doing is not... That you're not you're not affecting anybody. There's nothing going on. Your prayer time it's just dry. There's no, there's that's, that's just you. And as long as that's going on, you know that you're being effective. As long as your mind's telling you you're wasting your time, that means you're doing really really good.
because that mind is carnal and it's against you. It's an enmity. It's actively trying to destroy you. And as long as it's working against you, then you know you're on the right track. It's whenever you start agreeing with it, that's the problem. When you start saying, you're right, I'm not doing any good, then you're in trouble. Because now you're agreeing with the devil. So, anybody else have, did I answer that? Okay, good. Anybody else have a question? Yes. Okay. All right, y'all made me go over. wasn't my fault tonight. First time, 16 years. <laughs> so stand with me tonight. <laughs> Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is debauchery, excess, foolishness, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Just as reckless as a man is when he's drunk. Where he'll take on the whole bar. Me and Brandon will whip everybody in here. <laughs> just as reckless as a man is when he's drunk. In the spirit world, a man can be just as reckless when he's drunk on the Holy Spirit. We can say, bring on the devil. Bring him on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'll see the power of God invade that world. Strong, powerful. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you, Almighty God. I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would lead us and guide us. Thank you for the lesson tonight, Father. I pray, God, that it was beneficial, Lord. And now I pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to walk stronger in the Spirit of the Lord, that your Holy Spirit might strengthen us, O God, and cause us, O God, not only to be people of faith, but also to be people of works. And we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.